Hey there, you're listening to an encore presentation of Bitter's Pill number 127, My Derailer Needs Adjusting. Uh, from back in, uh, I don't know, March, April of 2008, somewhere like that. If you want to hear what we're doing right now, instead of three years ago, uh, become a Bitterest Pill premium subscriber. Go to thebitterestpill.com for full info. In the meantime, though, please enjoy 127. My derailleur needs adjusting. Make dinner, eat dinner, clean dinner, clean kids, brush teeth of kids, argue with kids, settle down kids, go to bed kids, settle down kids, Go to bed, kids. Settle down, kids. Go to bed, kids. My daddy may now make an announcement. I don't feel like talking tonight. I have that feeling like I have lockjaw. Do you ever get that feeling that just it's not time to talk? Your tongue has gone to sleep. The jaws have turned in. They're locked and loaded, but ready for slumber. See, I'm sitting here in my garage under the flight path at Los Angeles International Airport, and it's Saturday night. And it's just, uh, you know, it's, I don't know, 10, 10 or 11. But I promised to show a week, and so here I am on another Saturday. Now, what happened to my Tuesday uh, recording sessions? I have no idea. Life. You know, keeps encroaching on my uh, my Tuesdays. You know, Monday's Monday, and then Tuesday should be record day, and then, you know, something will come up, and then Wednesday is, uh, you know, uh, mow the lawn guy day. And then somehow next thing you know, it's Saturday night at 11 o'clock. And I'm trying to meet some deadline so I don't get snarky emails from the uh, the patrons. But I don't feel like talking. Not really sure what we're going to talk about. I mean, I, I got a couple ideas, I guess. And I want to, oh, I got to get this out of the way before we get too off track. So, uh, one thing I've been meaning to tell you for a long time, and then another thing that I guess I can tell you now or whatever. Ages ago, you know, a couple months ago now, I hate to admit, but, you know, this is how on top of things I am, but. Uh, a couple of months ago, Clinton from Comedy Forecast, comedy the number four cast dot com, multi award winning comedy program. Uh, he did, <laughs> he did with the help of Hudson, my son, a parody of this program, The Bitterest Pill. Uh, and uh, you know, it's kind of weird to hear someone do an impression of you. You know. Uh, and I thought I would hate it. I'm going to tell you that right now. I mean, he called and said, or he wrote, I always say called when someone wrote, I always say I talked, hey, I talked to somebody the other day. I didn't talk to him. We exchanged email. Is that, is that what we've done in the 21st century is the, the word talk is now just, you know, just stands for whatever kind of communication. Anyway, um. Clinton wrote and said, you know, I want to do this thing and Knudsen, blah, blah. And I thought, oh, God, you know, here we go. I, I got to be a good sport about it. And I need the exposure, frankly. You know, this is essentially an art show. We need all the, right? Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I really, I really kind of dig it. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to comedyforecast.com, but um, to, to the specific post for that show, it's called The Sourest Grape, I think. Is that right? Yeah. Something like that. So that was announcement number one. I'm making announcements. This is how, uh, you know, I got to get warmed up. But uh, Now, if you've been living in a cave 
podcasting wise, podcast wise, new media wise, whatever, uh, you know, maybe you don't know this, but you know that, um, you know, that friend of the show friend, are we friends? I think we're friends. I think I'll back up. There's this guy, JC Hutchins. See, can't talk. JC Hutchins. Now he's an author. He's a science fiction slash uh, intrigue author. I, you know, I don't want to pigeonhole the guy, but he wrote uh, the Seventh Son trilogy. And uh, you know, he and I have chatted back and forth uh, on the phone a couple times. I, I did the article about he and uh, Mr. Scott Sigler for Blogger and Podcaster. If you haven't checked that out, again, go to the show notes. I will. Uh, maybe I'll even have a link to me reading it. So you don't even have, you don't even have to read. I'll read. I'll write it. I will research it, write it, and now apparently read it to you. You do not. Nothing is expected of, to, of you as a consumer of any of this. Anyway, um, I'd like to. Th- I really think that if J.C. Hutchins and I, uh, I think we'd get along swimmingly. He reminds me of my friend Timmy B. My friend Timmy, who I've been friends with since I think I was 16 or so. Right, Timmy. He kind of reminds me of you, Timmy, J.C. Hutchins. I got to say something about his articulate uh, je ne sais quoi. Est-ce que tu français aussi? Oui. I like to, from now on, I may throw a little French in every show just to uh, exercise the tiny, tiny bit of 7th and 8th grade French that I still have. Okay, so J.C. writes this huge book called Seventh Son. He breaks it into a trilogy, Seventh Son Trilogy. And then he shops it around. He sells it to St. Martin's Press. They shove it back into one big book as far as I know. And it's coming out this summer, maybe fall, from St. Martin's Press. And I think they even hired him to do some other book for hire thing that he hasn't been able to talk about until recently. And I didn't even uh, remember that until just the second. So I can't even tell you what it is. I have no idea. But JC, um, like I say, is a supporter of the show, a friend of the show, this show, this thing, whatever this, these re- recordings are. And so um, he called uh, slash wrote slash whatever and said, hey, Dan, I'm doing this thing, yada, yada, yada. Would you be interested? Of course. Hitch my post to the Seventh Son uh, wagon. Bring it on, baby. So this project is called Seventh Son Obsidian, obsidian, obsidian. I had to say it 14 times. So one of those times will be the correct uh, way to say it. Uh, Seventh son, obstetrician. I don't know. It's obsidian. I have no, I, I haven't looked that up on Wikipedia. I have no idea what that means. But basically, uh, you know, Seventh Son is about these, these guys. And I can't even remember now if it's five guys. Seven, seventh son, it's probably seven, six guys. Let's say it's six guys. These six guys, random kind of guys all over the country, are uh, kidnapped by what appears to be, uh, you know, some sort of federal agents or something, right? And they're all taken to some underground bunker or whatever, and they start to realize that, boy, don't they all uh, look uh, an awful lot alike. In their weird sort of, you know, one's a little heavier, one's a little more built, one's a marine, one's a doctor of this, one's a, you know, a scientist of that, computer geek, whatever. It turns out uh, they're clones. You know, they're clones. And their uh, progenitor has gone wild. And he's doing all these things that, you you know, you got to read it. You got to read it or listen to it. You know, download it right now. You can download it right now and listen to the whole thing. So anyway... There's some deep stuff that goes down in the book. You know, some dastardly deeds are uh, perpetrated among the uh, upon the people of the world. And then the government has to cover up these dastardly deeds. So the cover-up is, you know, XYZ or whatever. So basically what happens to these dastardly deeds, one of them results in a two-week blackout. So what JC did is he said, okay, as kind of a, an addendum to the blackout situation... I'm going to get some short story writers, some writers, some uh, podcasters, some storytellers, whatever, to tell stories of of things happening 
outside of the actual book that could also have been happening during this uh, blackout period. Two-week national, international blackout, whatever. So that's Seventh Son Obsidian. So I recorded mine uh, recently. Maybe that's what I was doing on Tuesday, actually. I tend to do things quite at the last minute, and um, I think that was the last minute. I think that's what I was doing on Tuesday, is going, Oh my God, I haven't done it! So look for that. Uh, you know, honestly, I don't know when it released. I, I don't, you know, what do I know? I got my head so far up my uh, anal canal that uh, I never know what's going on. So that's that's that. And, you know, basically, listen, I'm a guy, you know, I'm a guy who sits in his garage and talks to himself. You know, I'm a, I'm a uh, you know, Rupert Pupkin uh, 2.0. Instead of being in my basement with a cutout of Liza Minnelli, I'm in my garage in front of my blue-green screens. Ugh, it's pathetic. Anyway. When we're done here, I'm going to go watch the end of a movie called Next. Not a good movie. Uh, you know, uh, what's his name? Nicolas Cage. Julianne Moore acting kind of tough and bossy. Ooh, I like that. And uh, Jessica Biel. Jessica Biel? Jennifer Biel? Not the Flashdance girl, the one that used to be in the Christian sitcom. And then she was in the Blade movie. In one of those magic movies. You know those magician movies? She was in one of the magician movies. I think the one with uh, Edward. You know what I mean. She's a little gorgeous. Isn't she just a little gorgeous? Uh, not such a great movie, but you know what? Julianne Moore and her, and you know, can't go wrong. Nicolas Cage can see two seconds in, two minutes into the future. Philip K. Dick, you can't go wrong. So that's what I'm doing right after this. If I can stay awake. I, I, I tell you, you know, who knows? It's been a long day. Today was... Um, you know, today was tax day, tax appointment day, which means, uh, and that's, I guess that's what I've been doing instead of recording is doing our taxes, which, which amounts to me sitting down at the old computer and inputting 365 days worth of transactions into Quicken uh, as fast as I can. You know, the entire year shoved into the keyboard at a feverish clip, receipts tallied, incomes, uh, you know, wretched over. Like, seriously, you know, I couldn't even buy a decent car with what I make. Tell you that right now, baby. The good thing is, well, you'll see. There's, there's, there's two sides to every coin, my friend. So basically, you know, and I'm going to go up, our accountant, for whatever reason, is very far away. And I probably told you this last year. What happened is uh, we used to live on the other side of town, and the accountant's office was uh, not where it is now, see? So we were much further east, and they were much further south, and somehow that wasn't so far apart. Now they're much further north, and we're much further, it's, you know, it's like cowboy country. I'm literally driving. They got they're in a beautiful new building in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Tumbleweed. Seriously, tumbleweed going across the road as I'm driving to their office. Really kind of semi-depressing. I'm not, not their office. Their office is nice, nice building, brand new fire station next door. Uh and, and then it's just depressing cowboy land. So I'm dreading, you know, these humiliating things where I take my my miniature W-2s to be tallied. You know, I get, you know, 15, you know, being a quote-unquote actor, freelance, uh, new media, uh, you know, czar. I have these minuscule W-2 forms. And she's, she's nice enough not to snicker at me, you know, the accountant. Ah, uh, but... The good thing is I'm very good at uh, accumulating what you might call deductions. Good at, uh, yeah, yeah, the deductions. Spending plenty on uh, hosting. 
you know, you got your hosting, you got your domain registrations, you got some, uh, you know, your stock photography, uh, you know, you've got your, uh, what else? Car, driving around in the car to the uh, big auditions. Oh, yeah, you got to drive around to the big auditions, the big auditions where you audition uh, to be the wacky neighbor watching the serious guy do something wacky in the commercial. Okay, we're going to have a guy dressed as a giant uh, orange flamingo. He's going to be walking across the street, but make it real. Right? He's going to peck the your neighbor in your head, and then the neighbor's going to burst into flames. But kinda, you know, so you just react, kind of keep it small. Kind of keep it real. They want something, they want something like the office. You know? So nothing big. Okay, but the guy's going to be in a penguin suit. He's going to be, he's going to jump on the flamingo man. They're going to beat the bejesus out of each other. And you kind of watch, you know, but just real subtle. Okay. Okay, good. Oh, we're getting so much back from my deductions from the, I think I, you know, basically I think I operate at about 110% loss. Every dollar that I bring in. Being a, a new media, uh, you know, icon. What am I? One of the icons of podcasting? <laughs> ah, that deserves, you know, I got to work on a radio to laugh for that kind of, uh, one of the icons of podcasting. <laughs> 110 uh, uh, yeah. Get all that tax money back, though, don't you, baby? Mm-mm, good. Going to have to invest that in some useless uh, domain name or something. I don't know. Maybe I can buy my car wash. That's my big dream. I want to be a slumlord. You know? I want to be the man. I want to hassle people. I want to be, you know what I mean? I want to tell them I'll fix their toilet when I'm damn good and ready. Oh, not really. I'd be the terrible landlord because everybody, you know, I'd be like, oh, well, hey, listen, I'll put in brand new plumbing. Don't worry about it. God, I was so worried about that meeting, too, you know, with my little W-2s. I mean, I was literally sitting in the waiting room like, I wonder, if, do I have enough time before the appointment to kill myself before I have to actually show her my dismal income? Because even, and, and maybe that's the problem with being a stay-at-home parent. At least a stay-at-home male parent is you, you still, um, hmm, you, you know, you still kind of feel like you should have an income. And not a massive income. You know, I mean, I'll, my, uh, you know, I have a five-figure income at least. But what I'm saying is being a stay-at-home parent, you still, at least as a guy, you don't feel off that hook. Because you're not. First of all, I'm not off that hook with the private school and the the mortgage and the property taxes. And it's probably that way all over America. You know, if it's not to you, good luck to you. But apparently, you know, you take a couple of hours out of the day to make lunches and pack them up and make the snacks and pack them up. Take a couple hours out of the day to drive them here and there and back and forth. Couple hours, uh, you know, to make the dinner, clean up the dinner, eat the dinner. Well, eating the dinner is about five minutes. The other two, you know, hours minus five minutes is for the prep and the clean, you know, all that stuff. Another couple hours, uh, you know, going over Twitter, MySpace, Facebook, YouTube, you stream, you stink, you blow. Uh, you know, it's a busy day. It's a busy day. Busy, busy, not much time for whatever it is I'm supposed to be doing. Not much time for that. Hey, so um, there was a big, there was a piece, there was a segment, there was a segment on uh, April 2nd uh, on stay-at-home dads on the Today Show, and it featured um, Brian Reed, who's a, of rebeldad.com fame. Now, Brian used to listen to my little, uh, you know, whatever this is. I honestly don't know if he still does. Brian, if you do, I'm sorry. I, I know you have better things to be doing. 
But Brian Reed is kind of the man, you know, of uh, stay-at-home dadness. Uh, ironically, I think he was a stay-at-home dad for about two months, but somehow has maintained. And I and I don't mean that to be disparaging, but but he really does an excellent job of uh, you know kind of keeping everyone up to date. Far more so than I, God knows that I ever would. Keeping everybody up to date on, uh, you know, what's in the press and what's doing this. And the, he was the one that posted the thing I saw about the guy, the doctor such and such that did the research, the devastating findings that uh, stay-at-home dads are less likely to adhere to uh, stereotypical gender roles. My God, doctor, you're a genius. So he was on the Today Show, Brian Reed. Brian Reed was on the Today Show with Dr. Genius who I'm sure is a very lovely man. I'm just upset that he didn't, uh, you know, I wasn't part of his sample set. And it made me realize that I need to maybe work a little harder to be your go-to stay-at-home dad. I want Brian Reed, see, Brian Reed to be the go-to guy on the stay-at-home dad front for, like, the serious stuff, and then I can be, like, maybe the David Spade of stay-at-home dads. Is that so much to ask? And, and, you know, for, and now for some snarky comment, here's uh, Dan Class in his garage by himself on a Saturday night. Living the life, oh, the exciting, exciting, glamorous life of the Hollywood middle-aged stay-at-home dad. Oh, ho, ho, ho. is he out partying with George Clooney and Renee Zellweger? Now he's sitting in his garage under a compact fluorescent uh, bear light bulb that he uses for a puppet show that he makes with his little son. Loser. So, oh, so, so Matt Lauer's in here. It's kind of weird because I'm celebrating my 10th. I'm on my 10th year. Nine years of being a stay-at-home dad. This is year number 10 for uh, yours truly, your humble correspondent. So it's still kind of like this far uh, away from shore. It's kind of weird to hear Matt Lauer talking like this is kind of a new thing. And apparently the incidence of stay-at-home dadness is increasing exponentially each year. They said I think it's been like a 60% rise in stay-at-home dadness in the past uh, four, 60% in four years, which is amazing. I mean, when I was, you know, when I first had, you know, when Hudson was born, I would just walk around. I was the only guy for 50 miles pushing a stroller. Are you kidding? In 1999? So, of course, because it's TV news, you know, they, uh, uh, they're doing the report and they got a guy doing a stand-up uh, thing, whatever they call that. You know, it's, it is stand-up, stand-up comedy. Uh, and he'd say, oh, the stay-at-home dads and, and they, you know, they stand around the park and they talk sports and they show this park, this playground in the, you know, in some beautiful suburb somewhere. Had to be 25, like 30 to 40, 45-year-old guys standing around watching their kids, playing with their kids. I'm like, what, <laughs> what fairy tale land did you uh, suppose existed when you clearly staged this little photo op? And you, NBC so clearly stalking the pond before they go fishing. It was literally just shoulder to shoulder, guys. There was not a woman or a nanny a parks game warden. There was no no shot. There was just guys and kids, guys and kids. I don't know what that you know. That's like you know twenty two twenty two stuff. That's not two thousand eight. I I gotta tell you, listen, it's not that bad. The women haven't completely taken over the workforce. There's still some of us that actually gainfully employed. I'm sure, but it made it seem like. Uh, you know, hey, yeah, guy, hey, listen, being a stay-at-home dad is no big deal. You'll go to the park and hang out with the guys, blah, 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 bull crap. The few times I've been to a park, at least, I mean, it is it is different now, especially on the weekends, it's different, you know? But guys don't uh, just, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's because I'm so asocial. I, I have never been to the park and gotten anything but like a scared looks from other dads. Seriously, just some weird. Maybe it's because I look like a psycho or something. Maybe it's because I got into early. You know, I was so ahead of the curve that I'm I'm scarred from the early days. Because the early days, I would show up at the park. 
You know, so worried about uh, being mistaken for some sort of molester or something. I'd show up at the park with little baby Hudson and go, okay, son, daddy will be right with you. You and I will have some father and son time in the sand, and then we'll go see what mommy's up to. Now, of course, I'm shouting this. I'm the only one in the park that speaks uh, fluent English. But it doesn't matter, you know, because I, I don't want to f- appear like some, uh, you know, raincoat wearing uh, flasher or something. It was a great piece, though. And, it, it, you know, but ah, it's just so weird being nine years in that, uh, <laughs> you know, and I don't know. I haven't been, hey, listen, I haven't been to the park in a long time. My kids are in school, school now. You know, when your kid's three, two, three, you're going to the park is what you got to get out of the house and they aren't going anywhere. You know what I mean? Maybe it's different. It used to be just me and the nannies, maybe the occasional mom. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> Who the hell is that guy? I don't know. Maybe he's a gay manny. That's Danny. Danny the gay manny. You got me. No, the one time I go to the park with a friend. I went to the park once... Now, you know, my daughter, uh, Princess Trooper, has a boyfriend. She has, actually, I wouldn't say a boyfriend. She has several boyfriends. She does, though, have a fiancé. Now, she and Tommy have been engaged for, you know, a year and a half now. Well, Tommy, thank God, uh, Tommy's dad is an incredibly cool guy that I get along with beautifully. He's a very funny, smart, incredibly artistic dude. And so he and I are like, yeah, let's go. We'll, we'll meet at the park and the kids can uh, play and we'll just hang out and kind of get caught up. You know, he wanted to rap about new media stuff and I wanted to find out about his art. I mean, he's this really awesome painter. Well, of course, you know, he and I, <laughs> he and I are down at the park and we're talking about podcasting and artwork and he wants to start a blog and should he do this or should he do that? And next thing I know, I hear thump, boing. See, maybe it's a guy thing. You know, I overcompensate because I'm the guy. You know what I mean? I'm a guy. I'm always there by myself at the park. I'm always watching. I never take my eyes off the kids. And the mommies are all like, as long as no one's dead, they're just yakking away and talking about clothes and clogs and pregnancy and all this weird crap that they talk about. And I watch my kids, the one day I'm down at the park actually talking about blogs with some guy and Tulu goes, and she falls off the equipment and lands on her back. Oh, daddy, where were you? You weren't watching me. But honey, you ran off. I didn't know where, but you weren't watching me. I wanted you to be watching. I was trying to do the thing. But honey, you're not supposed to do that unless I'm with you. But you weren't with me. You weren't even watching. But you should have told me you needed me to be with you. Don't just go and do the thing. I'm talking. I'm talking about blogs. The first time I've talked to a man my own age in seven years and you got to fall on your back. Why can't you not break your back? Why? Why are you? Why? Why? Why are you doing that? We were going to have fun. We were going to play in the sand. We were going to go somewhere and eat. And now you've got a broken back. You've got a broken back in Manhattan Beach. The only time. And I cannot call your mother and tell her that the only time I've ever been to the park with a friend. I've actually talked, interacted with another human being. You've broken your back. What are you doing breaking your back? Well, we calm her down, and she doesn't want to eat because her back hurts. I mean, she's obviously not dead. I mean, that was clear. It was very clear that she had not killed herself. My fatherly intuition had assessed the situation. And it was also clear that she had not actually broken her back because she could walk around. But she wasn't herself anymore. She was very serious. Princess. Princess. Timid. Hmm. 
well, what do you think we should do? I don't know. What do you think we should do? I don't know. I'm kind of freaked out here. I'm more, I'm more freaked out about the fact that my wife is going to kill me than, than how injured my daughter is. Now, there's a commentary on marriage for you, ladies and germs. Well, we take the kids to Jama Juice. We get a, you know, a $20 cup of orange juice. That seems to make her feel a little better. Hmm. Do you want to go eat? Are you hungry? We were going to eat. Before you fell and broke your back, we were going to go eat at the, the thing there in the corner, the funky old, uh, you know, diner place. So we did go over to the kind of, you know, I forget what it's called, the apple pan or the, what's it called? I don't know. Some place. It's on the corner. It's a place on the corner. Until this day, every time we drive by there, my daughter will go, Daddy, we went there the day I hurt my back. Thank you, baby. I know. We should go there sometime when you haven't hurt your back so you'll stop saying that because sometime you're going to say it when mommy's in the car and it's going to remind her of the day you fell on your back when I was talking. The one stinking day I let my guard down. Just I got news for you. Until, until NBC's got a camera in your face, you're not at the park with your arms folded, chatting with the guys. You're running around with your arms out, you know, Waiting to catch a pop flying when the kid falls off the uh, jungle gym. Trust me. You don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear it. <sighs> you ever get the feeling that you need uh, some kind of change? Big change. I I really like that movie Groundhog Day. And I didn't realize when I first saw the movie Groundhog Day how much I liked it. The movie Groundhog Day. Now, if you're one of the uh, few people that have never seen the movie, it's a movie starring Bill Murray where, uh, for whatever reason, he experiences the same day, Groundhog Day, over and over and over and over until he gets it right. And I don't know if it's because uh, of my, uh, you know, not my biological age, but so kind of my social age. You know, I'm a dad, I'm married, I have kids nine and five. Uh, you know, um, every day really kind of feels the same. And when I wake up, uh, I really, uh, you know, not that impressed. What, something's going to happen today that didn't happen yesterday? Listen, I'm going to give the kids uh, one of three things for their snack, one of three or different things. Whatever we had last night, odds are good, that's what's for lunch today. I'm going to pick them up the same time. I'm going to go pick my daughter up uh, at the same exact time, which is, uh, you know, 1228. So I'm two minutes before late. She's going to give me a big smile, a big hug and a kiss, and then she's going to start bugging me immediately. When can she eat something with sugar in it? And she's going to ask me that however many times it takes between the school and the car for me to want to strangle her to death. Then we're going to get in the car and she's going to tell me which way to go because she is uh, her mother's daughter. And then when we get home, she's going to immediately demand something sugary and uh, wear me down to a frazzle and so on and so on. And then it's dinner and I'm every day. The same breakfasts, the same snacks, the same drive here and there. Frantically work. Go get her. Go snack her. Go get them. Go snack them. Clean up. Make dinner. Eat dinner. Clean dinner. Clean kids. Brush teeth of kids. Argue with kids. Settle down, kids. Go to bed, kids. Settle down, kids. Go to bed, kids. Settle down, kids. Go to bed, kids. Time to wake up. 
Make the breakfast, make the snacks, make the lunch, drive to school. Every day. Frantically work, go get her, go snack her, go get him, go snack him. Every day. The same breakfasts, the same snacks, the same drive, here and there. Every day. Clean up, make dinner, eat dinner, clean dinner. Every day. Clean kids, brush teeth of kids, argue with kids, settle down kids. Every day. Go to bed kids, settle down kids. Go to bed, kids. Every day. Settle down, kids. Go to bed, kids. Every day. Except Saturdays. Saturdays we get up and I make pancakes. Then we go to swimming. Then we get home from swimming. Then we bathe the kids. Then we dress the kids. Can't you lotion yourself? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Every day. You're nine years old. You should be able to. Every day. Yes, you can. Yes, you stop doing Every that. Day. Stop doing Every that. Day. Stop doing Every that. Every day. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. Every day. 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 This is not any of this was meant to be. This is not any of this was meant to be. This is not any of this was meant to be. This is not any of this was meant to be. So it's Sunday morning. Last night I ate too much sugar. Now, you know I'm not supposed to eat sugar. I, I have low blood sugar, which means uh, I, I burn through the sugar, and then I crash, and then I go into either some sort of psychotic rage or some sort of manic uh, depression. Uh, you know, it really depends on the weather. But last night, we finally had uh, Princess Tyraid's birthday cake. She fell asleep, of course, you know. Princess Tyraid, on her birthday, you know, she has no school. We hang out. We go buy some party favors. Pirate party favors. The princess is now a pirate. She's Elizabeth Swan. So we get the pirate tablecloth. We get the pirate cups. Cake plates. Candles. Oh, yeah. Little set of six candles. One's a treasure chest. One's a skull. One's a sword. You know, the kind of candles you would expect on your five-year-old daughter's birthday cake. Then we go out to, uh, we get, we go to the drive-thru at In-N-Out. Her choice. Her choice, but we have a lovely, romantic little lunch together. On the front porch, just she and I. Eating our double meat In-N-Out burgers. Mm. You gotta get double, you know why? Because singles, there, there's no meat in there. You gotta get a double to at least get some meat. In-N-Out, love ya! Not enough meat. Okay. We had hamburgers, french fries, ketchup. She had some flavored water. I had a Diet Coke. I know. I know. We went and got her brother. We baked a cake. Oh, no. Before we baked the cake, we went and bought her bike. Princess Trooper's got a new bike now, brothers and sisters. A 16-inch Schwinn Whirl. I think it's called a whirl. 16-inch girls whirl. I don't know. It's purple. It's got pink. It's got tassels and streamers. It's got a bag on the front and brakes everywhere. It's awesome. So we put that together. Then we make the cake. Bake, bake, bake. Bake, bake cake as fast as you can. And then for dinner, Mama was going to... And I know this all sounds very uh, pedestrian, but listen, when it's a five-year-old's birthday and you give her what she wants, this is what she wants. She, Melissa, my wife, made chicken tenders. Now, if you have a limited experience in the chicken tender world, if your experience with chicken tenders is simply going to a restaurant with a deep fryer and ordering chicken tenders, then you really you have no idea what I'm discussing here. Every time I say chicken tenders, you're thinking the wrong thing. 
I am talking about delicious, plump and juicy breasts of chicken cut into maybe quarters or thirds, gently battered in breadcrumbs and deep fried to a golden brown. My son refers to them as heaven on a plate. Now, because Princess Tyre doesn't like them with the spicy stuff in it, meaning the Italian breadcrumbs, Melissa makes some with the Italian breadcrumbs and then some with the plain breadcrumbs, some with the plain breadcrumbs, some with the Italian breadcrumbs. Now, this, because we don't have a deep fryer and because we're not used to feeding an army at a time, it's a slow process. And I'm doing this and I'm doing that and the kids sit down to watch something on TV Princess takes her place on the ottoman. There's an ottoman that's kind of closest to the TV. It's kind of the closest place to sit or lay to the TV. And I don't remember what was on. I think I've, I was, uh, and this is going to be shocking, I think I was uh, folding laundry. So I'm folding laundry. And uh, watching TV. I think it was Good Eats. We're probably watching Alden Brown on Good Eats make chicken tenders. As Melissa, right? Well, I'm folding and Hudson's watching. Toulouse watching. Princess is watching. Melissa comes in the room and says, Hey, um, is she asleep? Dun, dun, dun. Yes. Yes, she is. Princess is on her birthday with the tablecloth on. And the plate's out, the pirate candle's ready for the cake to be frosted. 16,000 chicken nuggets being hand-prepared in the kitchen, and she is asleep. She is asleep so deeply we send four Sherpas with donkeys down into the ravine, and they cannot retrieve her. She is sleeping down at the base of the Grand Canyon and we are just standing up at the observation deck going, Baby, wake up! I shake her. I pat her. I rub her back. I whack her butt. I whack her butt while I shake her. I shake her furiously while whamming, wham, wham, wham on her derriere. She doesn't wake up. If she wasn't so warm, I'd think she was gone. This kid is not coming to. So, Hudson and Melissa and I had chicken tenders. They were delicious. They're plump and juicy. Mm-mm-mm. Deep fried good. So, then, la now this was Friday. So, then Saturday night, last night, we finally, uh, you know, frosted the cake. Candled the cake, lit can't break, blow, the whole thing. And daddy, that's me, had too much cake. Now, the reason I'm telling you about all of this is we're going somewhere. So, you know, daddy has too much cake. The kids finally go to bed. It's been a heck of a week. And that is why there had been no show prior, right? We, we discussed that earlier last night, didn't we? Well... Well, see, <laughs> so what happens is uh, I figure, okay, I got to do the last minute Saturday night show. That's fine. We've done that before. No problem. I'm very tired. I'm a little caked out, but I'll just go back uh, into the garage. I'll do my thing. Everything will be fine. Well, now you heard uh, the first uh, just now, just now you heard the first half hour of that experience. And then at about the 31st minute I kind of ran out of things to say, and that's usually not a horrible thing. You know, sometimes I can kind of, you know, pull out of that uh, nosedive. But what happened with this particular nosedive is, uh, see, Daddy had too much cake. So what that means is a, a rise in, in overabundant uh, supply of insulin followed by a complete and utter crash of the body's blood sugar situation, resulting in devastating 
crankiness and depression. So I basically sat here going, I don't, I have no reason to live. I do not want to get up in the morning tomorrow or the next day or the next day. I have wasted my life and I see no hope for the future. Now, did you really, you don't, trust me, trust me, you didn't want to hear that. It was bad. And you know what? Not much better now. I'm just more rested now. I can just put the happy face back on my 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 my, my criminal feelings of utter worthlessness. Thank you. I just got a uh, you know, yeah. So yeah, it was bad. It was bad. Sugar bad. 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 So listen, we gotta. I, I gotta make a pledge. I gotta somehow, basically, use you to help me. And you don't have to do anything. I'm just because what basically it's one of those things. I think if I tell you. Somehow make a promise to you that maybe I'll actually keep the promise because clearly I cannot make promises to myself. What I need to do is, okay, here's the story. Tonight we're going to see my, well, not tonight. In a couple hours we're going to see my folks, my parents. They live uh, an hour and five minutes south of here in the beautiful San Clemente, Dana Point area. We're going to go see them. And uh, see, Princess wanted to go uh, to the beach for her birthday in lieu of a party. Thank goodness, because you know what? Beach is free. Party last year? <laughs> oh my gosh, what did we pay for that party? $300? Four? Three? Two? One? No, it wasn't one. I think it was like 375 Seriously. That's the great thing about going through the taxes. You look and you go, we paid what for, huh? <laughs> now that the, you know, the, the, the experience is over. The panic of getting the experience set up, you just go, what did we do? So we're going to see my parents and, uh, you know, Princess wants to uh, go to the beach. That's cool. But the weather this time of year, you know, it's April, early April. Beach not might not be very much fun. Beach may be cloudy. Can you hear the kids in the background? They're arguing over the boogie boards right now. See, that's what they're doing. They're, they're packing for the beach. We're going to go boogie boarding in April. Oh my gosh, help me. So if you don't get another show for me or you don't see anything on Twitter or anything, I died in the surf. But so we're going to go down there. Basically, plan B is we're going to go to this little farm, ride some horses, ride some ponies, feed some emus, some chickens, pet a bunny, eat some, uh, you know, eat a snack and then maybe go to the beach, blah, blah. But anyway, what this is leading up to is the cake. Okay, now. I need to, one of the things I need to do, maybe this is something else I should promise I can do, and then, uh, you know, we'll see. But I have no ability, apparently, to plan ahead for certain types of things. Now, I've known for, you know, at least a week or so that we were going down on Sunday and that we would need to bring a cake, arrange for some sort of cake. Some cake was going to be, right? So, yesterday, I call about a cake. Now we're about caked out when it comes to cake cake. So Melissa and I decide, you know what? Um, we, we can't have a cake cake. We got, we, let's bring an ice cream cake, a nice ice cream cake, but we got to bring it to my parents. Well, it's ice cream and it's cake. So it can't thaw. So we got to get it down there. Well, we don't know down there. We don't live down there. So I do an internet search at this place and that place. And so I find now, you know how I feel about uh, Cold Stone. Cold Stone? Stone Cold? Whatever one. Stone Cold? I don't know. Let's call it Stone Cold Creamery. Because, uh, you know, it's pretty good ice cream, I guess. You know, they got these uh, post-lobotic patients kind of mixing in the goodies in with the ice cream and everyone's just so razzmatazzed that they're getting quote-unquote custom ice cream. Whatever. On a big slab of marble, my God, we must be so rich. Look at the ice cream we can afford to buy for ourselves. I'm fat, but I'm rich fat. I'm not poor fat. I don't go to Baskin Robbins to get fat. I go to Stone Cold Creamery. 
My ice cream bits aren't mixed by a machine. Good God, no, they don't just lay on top like that silly yogurt place. There's some underpaid Neanderthal back behind there, shoving it into the ice cream with a stick. Mmm! That's good eats. Problem is, uh, see, I don't know where the Baskin-Robin is near my parents. I understood the map, I think, but it's kind of, you know, to get from here to there with the beaches and the inlets and the this and the that, I don't know how to do it. I know how to get to their Stone Cold because it's right there. I'm going to have to go in there where they're shooting the sugar pellets out the door. They do that, right? Doesn't it kind of seem like they just shoot sugar out the vents in the front? A six-inch cake. Six inches. Six inches. $25. Let's rephrase that. The cake is six inches, and it's $25. Okay, so... I definitely got to eat some 25. That's like a $5 milkshake. I got to have some $25 cake. Some $25 triple chocolate romance cake. I'm having some. I'm not paying $25 for a cake and starting my sugar-free lifestyle before the people eat the $25. No, it's not. No, 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 no. Okay. Okay. Now that being said, so then Monday... I've got to, I got to go hardcore with the, uh, with the sugar thing. Now I can't do the, the cat. I'm afraid I got to try. I'm going to wean the slow wean with the caffeine. I know we got to wean the caffeine, but I got I, the sugar. It's got to stop. Cause I can't, I can't, first of all, I cannot just go around because I felt this way. It's not just on the mic. I don't know if it's since I started trying to kick that damn Paxil or what, but uh, my life has no meaning. I have. Wasted the last four decades. And I am about to shrivel and pass away. I don't know what I'm going to do to get through the next 25 minutes. And if I do survive those 25 minutes... I honestly don't know what I'm going to do to survive the 25 minutes that follow that. I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. Okay, so, starting, uh, you know, I mean, officially Monday morning, no more sugar. Minimal sugar, uh, you know, in things. Like, obviously, you know, cake and stuff like that, but also just breads and stuff, minimal to out. That includes my pancakes. When I make pancakes Saturday morning, I cannot eat them. I am not going to eat pizza. We're going hardcore here, folks. I've done it before. I'm doing it again. Here we go. And I got to ride that stupid bike. You know what I did? You know what I did finally? I've only been riding that bike. I got that bike from my dad. My dad used to ride that bike. Uh, and uh, the for a long time, I could only really use about five of the 21 speeds. It's a 21-speed bike. Who needs 21 speeds? I have no idea. Unless you're going to try to ride that bike up Everest and back. I'm not sure what the 21 speeds are for, but we're going to work it out. But I only had five or maybe even four of the 25. And so what that meant was I could get up to a certain speed and then that was it. I couldn't really go. I had to go uphill to really feel it. You know, keep that tension burning, burning. But now... Because, see, what happened was we got Princess uh, Tyrate, her bike, right? And her bike came with this awesome Schwinn general purpose assembly instructions thing, which included how to adjust your derailers. And let's face it, every once in a while we all need to take a couple of minutes on a Saturday afternoon and adjust our derailers, which is what I'm trying to do. I need to adjust my derailers. I need to loosen the cable nut and pull out the cable. I need to put the chain on manually on the small forward sprocket. Align the derailleur. Reattach the cable. And then with a small screwdriver... Adjust the high-end derailleur screw 
till the derailleur is over the big sprocket. And then, and only then, will I feel like I have all my gears, that I can go uphill and down, that I can coast through city streets, climb Everest, remain safe as I'm plunging into the abyss of the next 25 minutes. Because I don't know how I'm going to survive the next 25 minutes. All I know is that if I do, I then will not know how I will survive the 25 minutes that will follow those 25 minutes. Now, I said it last night in my deep, deep depressive who knows what, but I, you know what? I'm bored. I got to tell you that right now. I'm bored. I'm bored and I'm at, I, I'm at a place where uh, I need to make some big changes. I don't know what they are yet. I'm afraid of what some of them are because I think I'm going a little psycho. So some of the changes are really destructive, like <laughs> run, run, Danny, run type changes, which I don't think is really the way to go. But, you know, just path changes. I got to chill out. I got to calm down. I got to speed up. I got to get excited. You know what I mean? It got, it, it, it's like it's yin and yang. They're both out of whack. There's too much of the yin and too much of the yang. Not enough of each or something. Something's going wrong. But that's fine because we can work it out. But I am, you know, I don't know, man. I just feel like I'm bored. I'm bored of this town. I was on the other side of town when I was at the accountants. And I, maybe I said this last night. I don't even remember what I said. I just miss that part of town in that direction. I miss those hills. I miss the park. You know, I just, you know, I mean, it's okay over here. Now we got princess and a private school over here. More locked in, you know, the beaches nearby. We never really go. It's just, a, it's a thing, man. I don't know. This now that I don't really worry that much about being on a TV show or in a movie, the whole idea of being in Los Angeles sort of seems like a moot point. You know, I mean, does it impress? Maybe does it impress you at all that I'm sitting here under under the flight path of Los Angeles International Airport? Or you're really it's too late to care. I mean, which one is it? Do you sometimes? I mean, is that part of the allure of this whole thing? Is that I occasionally go on auditions and you know. I don't know. I don't know. All right, just for fun, what are the changes <clears throat> we're going to make? This uh, this is this is the year I'm going to write a bestseller. Now you know I've written a book, but this this is my bestseller year. Before, uh, you know, I told you this before, before I started podcasting, I was writing a book, uh, which uh, I'm going to start writing again. I don't think it's going to be this, but, but anyway, too much information. All right. I would now like to read another selection from the original pages that inspired the soon to be bestselling book that I will soon write very soon. That's one thing I'm going to do. I'm going to write a bestseller this year. Will you help me with that, please? Will you buy my book? Talk about it. Blog about it, please. Start blogging about it right now. I haven't put a single word down. It doesn't matter. Blog about Dan Class's upcoming bestseller. Enough already. I'm trying to pull my weight. You pull yours. You, you do it. <clears throat> First days at home, the hourly phone calls. I honestly have no memory of our first days home alone together, except of desperately pushing the stroller up and down the hallway. The daytime had taken on the feel of night, hours and hours of trying to get the baby fed and quiet as soon as possible. The most difficult thing about those early days was talking to my wife on the phone. You quickly must master the art of making it sound like things are going well, but not so well that it triggers her insane jealousy. She needs to feel completely confident that you can handle the job, but feel it is at least as hard as it is for her to be ripped from her baby to go back to that quote-unquote hellhole. Yes, the transition 
has been made. The office that was once carefully dressed for, that she worked to earn as part of the first generation of truly working women, that she once spoke of with pride at dinner parties, is now that loony bin. Suddenly the career that once inspired her is nothing more than an albatross hanging around her neck, keeping her in an office block while she should be home doing whatever the hell you're doing right now. She does not really want to know how well it's going, because that means she is not needed. Believe me, walking this tightrope gets harder and harder as the newborn becomes an animated child. You find yourself the sole witness of many of the baby's firsts and in no position to tell mommy about it without running the risk of making her hang herself in an office with one of the tubes from her breast pump. A stay-at-home dad is a new breed of parent, the first to say aloud, Oh, please don't take your first step until after 6.30. In the past, a dad was the one at work. And if he was not there when the kid first toddled across the floor to bang his head on the record player, so be it. He'd catch the weekend show after he mowed the lawn. No sweat. But a mother must see everything. She didn't realize growing up wanting babies in a career that something would have to give. So the way I see it, you have one of two options. One, you convince her that it's better that at least one of the parents is home with the child to witness these events instead of a nanny. Or, number two, you lie. Lie. Don't mention it. When little Timmy says his first words, rejoice, kiss the little tyke, and then keep your damn mouth shut. He's bound to say it again, and eventually will do it in front of your wife. When he does, open up your eyes real wide, and then just let your jaw go slack and go, Did you hear that? I sure did, and it's the first time, too. My wife and I still have a lot of tension when it comes to the simple fact that she needs to run the house from her office. I am essentially her sub until she gets home. It amazes me how often she will tell me how to do something that I have easily done over a thousand times more often than she has. She is constantly reminding me to do things I have never forgotten to do. Now she will say it is because she's always reminding me. <laughs> See, it works. He needs to take his vitamins. Really? No shit. The gender roles aren't actually reversed as far as everything goes, just the winning of the bread. Otherwise, I am treated like any other father is treated when he's watching the kids. It's just that most fathers are only there for two or three hours a week, not 40. Mother guilt is compounded by the fact that you're home. You. See, I truly believe that it would actually be in many ways easier emotionally if the child were with a nanny or in daycare. See, at least the nanny would expect to be micromanaged. I often wonder how far down the corporate ladder I would need to be to get talked to by my wife in the way that she talks to me when I don't do things her way. Ah, oh, love is funny, ain't it? Sure, men and women are different, period. Now, usually this little fact is no big deal and actually works out very well. But once the male is home with the kids and the female isn't, these differences are a pain in the ass. My wife is a self-proclaimed worrywart. The moment she found out she was pregnant, notice that I said she and not we, we are never pregnant. She began to worry about what high school our offspring would go to to ensure a decent education in a safe and unbiased environment. I worried that I was going to get the chair for spouse aside. She worried about having enough space for the child and the next and providing a decent-sized backyard for them, well-fenced and free of ants and mosquitoes in a part of town with decent air to breathe. I worried about how much it was going to cost to build a biosphere. She worried about whether she should have one child or two, one having the advantage of undivided attention and less compromised resources, yet being neglected the experience of living and sharing their life with siblings. I worried, at this rate, that I would never have sex with her ever again. When our little one was learning to walk, if he ever fell and came close to hitting the coffee table, it was my fault. Now, for some reason, I was supposed to be able to catch him at any time, at any angle, even if she was closer. A mother cannot stand the fact that the father will let a child take a few lumps in the interest of learning, or at least give the illusion that the child is on its own. My wife is like the police system in the minority report. I get in trouble for things that would have happened if she hadn't told me to intervene. I think fathers more easily accept the fact that kids learn everything the hard way, just like we did. They are going to fall. They are going to bleed. And daddy is going to get blamed. She, what happened? Always the first question, not is he dead, what had happened, but what did you let happen? He, he fell and skinned his forehead. You, foolishly, are honest, without immediately mounting a strong defense. She, weren't you watching? 
Now, meanwhile, the child is still bleeding and screaming and now wants mommy, which makes you look even more culpable. He? Of course I was. What do you want me to do? Follow him around with a pillow to fall on? She? Yes! This is the single most honest statement your wife will ever make about you watching the child. Yes, she does want you to follow him around with a pillow. Yes, damn it, yes! When the child falls while she's on duty, it's an innocent accident. When the child falls while you're on duty, you are messing up. Big time. See, if your wife had her way, the entire house would be wired with video cameras and microphones, and she would work your arms and legs by remote control. Now, the truth is, you know she's often right. Sometimes her paranoia and tenacity pay off, and she catches an ear infection that you would have missed as just a cold, or figures out that the little zits on your child's behind are actually flea bites. The tough pill to swallow, you gotta give her her props. Her due. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. You both immediately feel you need to protect the child, even before it's out in the world. We bought a baby monitor, outlet covers, doorknob covers, stove knob covers, toilet seat lock, you name it. Finally, the baby is born and you realize a baby can barely move for the first three months. The likelihood of it drowning in a toilet is actually quite low, with or without the seat lock. The only one of those things that came in handy within the first six months was the baby monitor. A little walkie-talkie where you put one in in one room and one in in the other. I could use it to listen to my wife complain about how I fasten a diaper from the other end of the apartment. But it made us feel safe because we had it. And by having it, that was keeping our baby safe. Safe, that is, until he was old enough to crawl across the room, grab the cord, and pull the whole damn thing down onto his eye. All right, thanks for listening. Sorry this one was a touch technically late for this week. Um, you know, if you really are, uh, you know, been out of shape about that, I, I suggest you unsubscribe. Unsubscribe or take a chill pill, baby. It's coming at you. Listen. Do I need one in the hopper? Sure. But don't you want it fresh out of the oven? Yeah, I knew you did. I knew you did. Trust me, babies. Uh, 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 I'm going to get it to you in a timely fashion this week because the taxes are over. The birthdays are over. The shopping and the taxing and the taxing and the shopping. And the... Okay, coming up on the pill. Yes, I will be video. These are some topics coming up. Trust me, something's got to come up. Okay, first of all, Tuesday, I'm going to go videotape a baby bling fashion show. Yes ridiculously overfinanced women at a fashion show to spend ridiculous amounts of money on crap that their kids will outgrow in 25 minutes. Then the week after that, uh, we are having the house tented for termites. So I'm sure it'll be the class family flea circus. I, I hope to God that it ends up being um, a, a podcast because I have a feeling it's going to be. We have to wrap everything we're going to eat in plastic bags. I don't, I don't want to... And, uh, you know, who knows uh, what else. Okay, so listen, thank you. Uh, TheBittersPill.com, blah, blah, blah. Take a chill pill, coming at you. Breaker, breaker. What's your 20? Good buddy. The Bitters Pill is produced by Jacket Media. JacketMedia.com, makers of fine podcasts since 2004.